it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. And this week, also a little bit about beer hospitality and even beer running. I'm Bruce News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and thanks to Cryomalt, this is Beer is a Conversation, our weekly sit-down with the people shaping the beer industry, and through these conversations, we dig a little deeper into the stories behind the business of beer and brewing. The Australian brewing landscape is evolving rapidly, and here we try and make sense of what is happening and better understand the issues shaping the industry. While he may not be known outside of his hometown, this week's guest is something of a Brisbane beer identity. Since starting in the craft beer industry about a decade ago, Jimmy Gold has worked at some of the city's pioneering craft beer venues and craft breweries. Over that time, he has really come to impress with his thoughtful approach to hospitality and also managing the challenges that come with working in the alcohol and hospitality industries. Jimmy's also a central figure in the community around craft beer in the city. With hospitality becoming an increasingly important element of the business of craft beer and mindfulness around alcohol an issue for all of us, it was a great opportunity to speak to Jimmy about some of those topics. I hope you get as much from this conversation as I did. Jimmy Gold, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks, Matt. I think it's fair to say you're a big presence in the Brisbane beer community. You know, anyone who's listening to this in Brisbane would have a pretty good idea of who you are, maybe not so much, uh, you know, nationally. So, you know, we always start this by uh, the, the, the very quick, uh, what's the Jimmy Gold story? Jimmy Gold story, at least the beer version of it is I got into the Brisbane beer industry about eight years ago, uh, cut my teeth at uh, a little bar in the city, one of the sort of first craft beer bars that opened up uh, called The Underbelly. Uh, A lot of bars claiming credit for being one of the first. Yeah, we definitely weren't the first, but we were, uh, you know, at the the sort of uh, early boom of it all. And it didn't last too long. It didn't last long, no. So I sort of jumped in there and it only lasted three months. Not, not by my doing. No, no. But uh, yeah, it was, it was doomed before I jumped on board. But uh, yeah, they, they had renovated a little um, uh, function space downstairs and turned it into a, a craft beer bar based off the success. And this is a fun fact for anyone that remembers. Uh, Festival Cellars Bottle Shop was actually their bottle shop that they ran, uh, out at, which is now Craft Red Hill. So, yeah, they had a pretty good success of uh, selling craft beer there in the early days, um, one of the few retail spaces uh, there. Um, anyway, it closed uh, and then I thought that was the end of my craft beer career and I, funnily enough, Googled craft beer jobs Brisbane and uh, a, a job popped up for Tipless Tap. Um, very pioneering craft yeah, beer bar. Yeah, one of the another one of the originals. So, so um, just um, but before we go into Tipless Tap, just uh, looking at that. So, had you did you have a hospitality background before you uh, started at Underbelly? No, so I was working in the pharmaceutical industry. So I just worked in sort of pharmacies as a dispensary technician and, you know, a different kind of healthcare, I guess. Um, yeah, I'd done that for about seven or eight years uh, before that. So yeah, completely, uh, complete shift. But um, yeah, just basically 
I'd fallen in love with beer before that, and then so your interest from beer predated working in in, in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd sort of fallen in love with beer of the, the the sort of year or two before that. Um, yeah, just sort of drinking and you know all the all the sort of uh, it started with Belgian beer, um, and then you know like little creatures and white rabbit, etc. Um, yeah, that's what really got me into it. And then I kind of I had a friend who was working at uh, the Underbelly or Tank Hotel. And um, he sort of got me in there and that's how it started. So, yeah, the hospitality side of it was that was my sort of vessel for getting into the beer industry. So when you Googled, when Underbelly closed and you were looking, you Google craft beer jobs, Brisbane, you were dedicated, like it was an interesting craft beer as opposed to just another job. Yeah, I mean, I was probably, you know, still am um, in different ways, very, very passionate about it, uh, very hard on my sleeve about uh, the craft beer and craft beer industry and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, I sort of, I wanted to stay in it, but I kind of thought, you know, what's a guy like me who's only got, you know, three months of experience in a bar that just closed, what what can I do? And I didn't really want to just get a job in hospitality. The hospitality, I didn't want to work in a, in a pub or a restaurant. I wanted to work with craft beer and, and basically craft beer only, um, you know, supporting independence as much as possible and all that sort of stuff. Um you know, the only other venues around back then were sort of um, the Scratch Bar and I, I didn't think I was cool enough or knew enough about beer to work <laughs> at the Scratch. And, and then there was Archive and I thought Archive was maybe too big for me. And um, yeah, and there wasn't really too many other options. Bittersweet was another one. Um, and I actually met Braden when he was uh, when he owned it and he offered me a job. And then, yeah, so I had, a, I had the option of Bittersweet, which came through at the 11th hour, but also the Tipless Tap opportunity uh, ended up working out. So... Yeah, I got the job with Tipplers. Uh, I was the first um, sort of full-timer that they took on, other than sort of Carl and Brian, the owner. Um, came on board and was with them for two years, so I worked my way up to sort of venue manager there and then um, ended up helping Wade Curtis open Four Hearts Brewing out of Ipswich. So did you leave to start at Four Hearts or did you...? Yeah, so I left. Um, I was really lucky with that, so I, I saw that as a really exciting opportunity to you know um you know the skills i'd learned in in a short time kind of apply it to opening a you know a a brew pub um this was sort of 2014 2015 i think and that was sort of still early days um i saw it i knew wade pretty well we got along really well and um yeah i saw that as a really exciting opportunity so i just kind of went with it and i've always had this kind of goal of climbing the ladder in in beer as well and you know you don't want to sit still for too long so i'd done two years at tipplers decided to do four hearts and was really proud of what i did there we built a really great venue and a really great community sort of hub out there and then um yeah i was with them for just under a year and a half and then sort of a combination of work stress and uh just commuting and and sort of servicing someone else's community kind of just i think that was sort of my undoing and um yeah, actually ended up uh, applying for a sales job with Newstead, which lasted a very short amount of time. Turns out I'm not it's a, a salesman. It's a particular skill. I, I, you know, a lot of salesmen do listen to this, and I you know, can't admire their yeah. uh, skill set yeah. Uh, more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it didn't agree with me. Um, I lasted three months, maybe, and then I, uh, that ended up transitioning into a venue role and then ended up becoming venue manager at Newstead Doggett Street and then um, earlier 2019 ended up becoming general manager of the two uh, Newstead hospitality sites. 
And now uh, I've seen someone recently describe their sort of transition out of the workforce temporarily as being fun employed, but fun employed. I it, say run employed. I was going to say yeah, runner, yeah. I hadn't seen you say that, but I was going to uh, <laughs> yep. say that because you're doing a lot of running at the moment. Yeah, yep. we'll, we'll come to that. Yeah, um, but you know. I'd, I, I've watched your career because I, I met you um, the day before uh, yeah. Underbelly yeah. Um, went belly up, um, and you know. So I've seen your career um, through the, the the Brisbane beer scene, and you know. So it's interesting, as you, you know, it's interesting that even that you sort of say that you know when uh, Four Hearts opened, you know, in 2014, 2015, that that was the early days, and yeah. that's only five years ago, and yet we've seen such a rapid change in in, in the industry. Yeah, it's been incredible. Um, I should say as well, I'm not. I finished up at Newstead late last year. That's to end that little yep. my history. But yeah. But so, what are your observations? You know, when you come at it from a hospitality point of view, and it's it's something that I have said on the podcast increasingly that hospitality has got to become a bigger part of um, more and more brewing you know businesses uh, mindset and w- what's your feeling about it you know what, what have you observed um, in the hospitality sense of the craft beer world yeah I think it's I think for me uh, the beer is really really important but you can have the best beer in the world but no one's going to come and drink it if you've got bad service or an uncomfortable venue or you know the venue only uh, appeals to one demographic and that's it so yeah it's a the hospitality side of it I think um, from working in it and kind of ending up in it but then doing well through it it's a really complex and it's a hard industry to to be good at and there's a lot of people who think you can just sort of jump into it and you know how hard is it to pour a beer but it's there's so much more to it than that it's a little Um, bit like sales you know yeah like yeah it's not just wheeling in and you know having a chat to your your best mate and selling 10 kegs and you know that's your quota like it's it's a skill set and you, you have to hone those skills like any other profession and, and get good at what you do. Um, yeah. And I think hospitality is, it, it does attract a lot of, um, you know, it attracts all sorts of people. Um, and I think weirdly enough in Queensland and maybe Australia, um, we don't give it enough, uh, I guess, reputation or, um, credit as a profession but in other parts of the world it's absolutely a career path or profession and and i personally think that you can do really really well in the hospitality industry if you keep your wits about you and you know a little bit to how i've done just keep your head on your shoulders and always keep your ear to the ground and just do well in your job and that can open up all sorts of um, really really exciting opportunities for people so but yeah back to um how it applies to beer venues yeah it's it's for me it's practically not everything but it's it's a massive part of what you need to be focusing on i compared a little bit at the moment to you know a lot of breweries opened as a factory that just had a bit of a sideline um selling beer yeah um and that's changed a lot the front of house is becoming increasingly important to any startup um, and yet there still just strikes me as being a little bit of a mindset that we're a brewery um which always reminds me a little bit of Yes, of saying you know, restaurant saying we're a kitchen, um, and forgetting that it's not just the 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 food; it's the 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 service. So, what is good service, Um, particularly in 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 the craft beer space? Yeah, I mean, there's no rule book for it, and um, you know, you can have service guidelines for your venue, but they're only guidelines. You know, you can't apply the same service to a 20 year old guy that you can to a 65 year old 
you know, lady or whatever, you know, you've got to be dynamic, you've got to be attentive, you've got to have some really good intuition about you and that's almost something you can't really train. You've got to be pretty switched on and, um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's quite complex, and it's it's not just the direct service; it's everything from atmosphere, lighting, how the seats are arranged. Uh, you know, you've got coasters on your table. This is table wonky. It's all these little things, and um, you do develop a very in tune. Uh, you know, you start noticing the smallest things all the time, and you know it's got to be perfect, and then you've got a fighting chance to offer a really good experience for people. It's funny that you say that because quite often, you know, I spend a lot of time in bars and often going in out of the the, the busy period just to sort of drop in. And, you know, one of the recurring um, experiences is you walk in and there'll be a bar manager sitting at the end of the bar with paperwork and a, and a laptop and the barman who's sitting there just sort of leaning back and they'll be sharing a joke and having a bit of a chat. And, uh, you know, you, you walk up and sort of look um, and you know, uh, sort of look to see what's on offer and things like that. And there's no attention, there's no engagement because they're having their little joke. And you'll sit down and have your beer, and you'll be sitting there then with an empty glass. And yeah. often the only person in, in 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 the venue, and the bar guy will never, or the bar person will never come around, pick up the glass, wipe down the table, and sort of, you know, what did you think of that, and get your feedback, or maybe you know. And to me, it just seems like such, a, and that's just a very basic. Um, you know, I- example, but there does seem to be a just sort of sit back and let the customer do all of the work mindset sometimes. Yeah, and good good hospitality should be seamless, and that's really it. Um, and it's when it's not seamless is when you start noticing things because you wouldn't pick up on things if it's all just good. You know, I always provide this example for any of the staff where I'm working is you've got to you know you've got to imagine that you know. People didn't just stumble into your venue. Sometimes people stumble in, but people, for the majority, especially in craft beer venues, they have planned their visit. They maybe decided two weeks ago they're going to come and visit. They've organized their friends. It's a nice day out. They're going to spend some money. You've got to put yourself in their shoes and, and kind of almost approach it from walk into your own venue from where you parked your car on the street and just notice everything along the way. And that even just doing that, just kind of walking out of your venue, doing a lap around the uh, lap around the block and just kind of approaching it with fresh eyes as much as possible and going, okay, is there, you know, what does the street look like? Is there cigarette butts everywhere? What does that say about us? You know, is there rubbish bins overflowing? What does that say about us? Is there a, you know, a rabid ibis ripping apart a plastic, you know, <laughs> a bag or whatever? You know, all these little things. And Again, it's it's not OCD, but it's these these are the things that I think genuinely add up to a good experience. And then you walk in the front door, and what do you first see? Is it you know a whole bunch of empty milk crates or a whole bunch of stock that's been delivered that hasn't been put away? And then you start getting to the things that really matter. And yeah, as you said, if you see two staff having a chat behind the bar um, who barely acknowledge you, and they haven't put the stock away, and they haven't swept the footpath. All of a sudden you're going, you've, you've kind of maybe consciously or unconsciously just kind of gone, man, what's going on? Like, you know, <laughs> these guys are here working and they're not doing much work. And then you go, what are they, you know, how well do they clean their kitchen? And what's the cold room look like? And how clean is the brewery and all the rest of this sort of thing? And then, you know, they can feed into if they have a bad experience with food or, uh, you know, if they have a beer that's not particularly up to scratch or, you know, the toilets aren't super clean, it's... It's this whole experience, and then all of a sudden you've got this two and a half hour window of people that have come and gone, 
yeah, you know, I don't didn't love that. You know, my burger was okay. My beer was fine, not amazing. You know, the staff were a bit all over the shop and it was a bit grubby. And the flip side of that is go through that scenario again, but with everything in their best possible situations and you go cool man this the venue looks great i'm going to take a photo and put it on instagram and it's really exciting because i've been planning on coming here for two weeks and oh, how good is this and you know oh, my you know my parents they hate going out but they really love it here because you know the bartender knows what they like and they make the you know they make things the way they like things and the music's always good and the, the levels are good and the lighting's good and the toilets are clean and they smell like you know, it smells like passion fruit and it's amazing. And this whole, you know, again, it's that same two and a half hours, that same X amount of money that they've spent there, but they go, that was really good. I really enjoyed that experience. And then, you know, guess what? They're probably going to come back because they go, well, the place down the road doesn't really seem to care that much. That place does. But it's funny, a lot of the things that you're describing, um, they're, they're, they're perceptions. And I, you know, I'm fascinated about... One of the things that fascinates me about beer and our experience with it is there are no absolutes when it comes to what we call flavor. You know, flavor, we don't have a sense of flavor. We've got a perception of flavor. And that brings in what you, you know, the chemical reactions on your tongue, on your olfactory bulb, you know, what you see, you know, a a dirty glass um, is going to affect your perception um, of the beer, which is going to affect your perception of flavor. Um, And it's true of your enjoyment of a venue that... If you're having, like, if, just if you've got a surly waiter or waitress, that's going to impact your perception of flavour or your perception of the venue. Mm. Um, and, and it can add up. And so the, 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 there can be nothing wrong with the beer. But as you say, they can walk out of, at the end of the experience, even not able to put their finger on exactly what it was, but it just go, oh, you know, I don't feel any reason to go back. And that's and that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from someone that, as, you know, for the last eight years, my career has been to scrutinize all these little things but that's that's it you just you can kind of tell you do it long enough and you you just kind of tell that if you're not doing these things right people probably can't put their finger on it other than a simple yeah i didn't really like it or yeah i want to go to that other place that does you know has the wine i like or whatever it is you know the music's always weird there you know it's these little things and you know, it's it's not everyone. Like, people can go and enjoy things and, you know, it's all good. But I think, for me, that's, yeah, it's something I've identified over time. It's just, you need to have all these things really tip-top to have a, to offer a really, really good experience. It, it's funny that you mentioned music, though, because it, it, I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, when you're working in a place, you want to have your music on. But then I guess that's a signal to people. that Like, essentially, you'll, you'll bring in people that have a certain, you know, character, which... I guess creates a character around a venue, um, and, and music is just one example. You know, because venues create a community around them based on the vibe that it gives off. Mm. Um, it, is that something you can use both to create a, a, an ambience and, and a community? And yeah, also- absolutely. Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, yeah, music's probably one of the hardest ones. I mean, there's there's companies that have made a lot of money on selling, uh, you know, very expensive systems, but they work to be venue specific so that, you know, the 18 year old that listens to, you know, trap music doesn't put their playlist on and, <laughs> and, you know, that's all of a sudden what everyone's eating their lunch to on a, on a Saturday. So, you know, there, there's companies that you can employ um, that come in and go, okay, what times are you busy? What's your clientele like? How loud do you want it? 
do you want us to change the, the BPM? And yeah, you, know, you can do that. Or if you've got someone that's in tune to these things, you can make your own playlists and, and, and change it. Because this is the other thing, you know, venues fluctuate all the time. You've obviously got, there's peak periods, but sometimes a Saturday at three o'clock can be really, really busy. Or sometimes it can be really chill. So are you going to be playing Eye of the Tiger every three o'clock on a Saturday? Or are you going to just go, man, we just had a, a bus pull up and there's 50 people who are clearly here to have some fun you know you don't want something really soft and easy going playing because you sort of want to bring the energy up so yeah you got to be dynamic with it and again that's just another one of those things of keeping your finger on the pulse yeah one of the things that you said right at the start of this little um segment you made the comment that venues should be comfortable you know the people um and that's an interesting concept with so many breweries, you know, the the rustic or industrial or, you know, brewery feel. Um, you know, this is a factory um, feel that most places have that I think sometimes people feel that, yeah, whilst that's an aesthetic, you still mm. want to have a base level of comfort. Yeah, I think I think... you can do you can do some really amazing stuff with a shoestring budget. And I think you can have a really great experience in a in a shed, in a warehouse. You know, it's all about that overall message that you're trying to send as well, you know. Um, you know, you go to, there's, 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 you know, cellar door, you know, winery cellar doors in Tasmania that are literally in sheds, but you drive through beautiful fields and it's, you know, the sun's setting and it's, the grass is amazing and there's, you know, cows walking around and, you know, if you walked into that shed down the back streets of wherever, you'd go, this is a bit dodgy. But because it's there, you go, oh, this is amazing. I love the rust. How good is the, you know, the <laughs> dirt on the floor? This is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's about context. And it's about, yeah, it's trying to like tell your message. And you can, it's more than just, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's, it's glassware, it's plates, cutlery, it's napkins. It's, you know, how your staff present themselves, whether you wear uniforms or, or not or, or whatever. So it's a lot. It's a complex science or complex coming together of a lot of things talk to me about um people because uh, again and i risk of getting myself into a little bit of trouble you know i've noticed in brisbane because there were one or two foundation places and you know there was a bit of a period where you know, for example archive opened it was the biggest venue um and you had these people that would start there the manager would be headhunted to open the next place that opened um so the next person would roll up um, they would become the manager the next place was open they would be picked because archive built itself as being and i don't you know i'm not picking on anyone in particular but there was this thing where so archive which had a particular way of presenting hospitality um, that i don't think was that was more nightclub than service oriented um, would be the way i describe it and so there was almost this um spreading of um you know a, a certain way of hospitality um and i, I this became very clear to me when Pete Mitchum, um, who is a co-host, um, came up to Brisbane and he was able to sort of, because there was a certain way that they, you know, this very cool way they slap on the tap and sort of lean it while they pour the beer that he'd noticed. Um, and so he was able to say, oh, that person was trained at Archive, that person was trained at Archive. Yeah, okay. um, and again, I'm not asking you to comment on that, but there has seemed to have been a people coming through a venue assuming you've got a, a certain level of experience um how important are people and how important is training that's not just based on one venue yeah so i think the thing i've learned 
all these years is, is staff culture is really important and, and whoever's at the top sets that culture um, or should set that culture. Uh, otherwise, it'll set itself and that's fine. It's just that if you're, you know, the top person, you kind of should have an idea of how you want things done, how you address people, how you, you know, clear tables, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're not telling everyone how you want that, then it's going to go rogue and that's when you get clicks and you get people, you know, hospitality is generally, oh, my mate's looking for a job, you know, and all of a sudden you've got little clicks and things like that, which can be really, really good. I've worked in places where we've, you know, at work and outside of work being really good. You know, it's professional at work. Outside of work, it's it's friends. It's it's friends catching up. Um, but it never affected work because we all had a sense of we're here, we're at work, we're providing service, we, we have a way of doing things. Um, yeah, I think it's... Um, and you can train people whichever way. I mean, hospitality workers are really... We're great actors. We kind of have to be because, you know... Smiling after a 14-hour day and, you know, being hospitable is kind of hard at the end of the week. But, um, you know, like you can train people. It doesn't matter where someone worked before. I could get someone who's just come out of working a, you know, a nightclub in the Valley for two years and go, okay, cool. We don't really do things that way here. It's a bit more, you know, informative and casual and, and calm and everything. And then they'll pick it up, you know. It takes a little bit of time, but they'll pick it up. So, yeah, I think it's just setting that culture and and again as i said before service guidelines and things like that that's literally that's your sort of rule book or your you know your fallback but it's not going to be if you have a service guidebook you don't want people reciting it because then it turns into a sterile experience you know what i mean so it's sort of you know service guideline or, or whatever you want to call it is more make sure you acknowledge people when they walk in the front door not this is what you need to say to every, you know, we're not, you know, it's not a, you know, a, a fast food chain where you recite the same thing every single time and do you want fries with that? So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so important. Um, yeah. The people, you know, do you want to vent, do you want a, a venue or a vending machine is what I say all the time to, to anyone that asks me about this is it's the people that bring it to life. It's the people that make it really special. Um, and, but it's up to the person at the top to, teach and show all the all the team how to how to go about that hospitality is one of those difficult um industries to convince people that it's worth investing in as opposed to just sort of instructing investing in training because there's a mindset that people just move on and Mm. there's that famous quote you know what if you train your staff and they move on and versus what if you um don't train them and they stay um but there is that argument that it's a very fluid um, o- occupation and you should you waste time investing in people. And uh, often you see a lot of craft beer venues get people who are craft beer nerds. Um, and when we spoke to Steve and Guy from the Tap House about it, they said, oh, look, you know, we did that when we first opened as well, but we realised it was much better to get people who are hospitality professionals or you know, had good hospitality skills and you teach them the beer yeah. um, because rather than have somebody who's got very strong beer opinions and try and teach them hospitality. Yeah, totally. Yeah, investing in staff, the way I've always looked at it is you want to be the person that trains the best staff regardless of when they leave your venue because it's almost a bit of a testament to your own skill set, right? So if someone, for whatever reason you know, works under me for two years, then they leave for whatever reason and then they go, you know, I get a phone call asking for a reference. You know, I want that to be a good experience. I want it to be like, yeah, they're one of my best, you know. But 
to follow on from that is, you know, around town, it's it doesn't really pay more to go somewhere else a lot of the time unless you get a promotion. So people will leave if they're not getting enough hours or they're not feeling stimulated enough. And I encourage that. I love seeing people progress through this industry because that's exactly what I've done. And it's, I don't expect anyone to stay for, you know, 10 years. It's, you know, it's, it's annoying when people leave, but if you create a good environment where it's, you know, ticks all the boxes of what hospital workers want, which is getting paid properly and, you know, above board and all the rest of it, um, some sort of benefit, whether it's, you know, whatever that looks like, and then just investing in them and and making them feel a part of the team. They're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to go to the place down the road because they're going to get paid the same amount of money per hour. And, they're just going to have to learn a whole, you know, probably a new tool system and that's a pain. So, um, yeah, you just got to create a really good environment. Um, and that's not saying it has to be easy or it's, you know, overstaffed because that's not what hospital workers want. Hospital workers are some of the hardest working people I know and they want to be busy. They want to be um, engaged. And, you know, we, I've put on multiple training programs. I've used Cicerone to train up staff and put them through that and, um, you know, they, people really like that because they go, huh, he actually cares about me and, and whatever. I might not be in hospital for long, but, you know, I'm really enjoying the skills that I'm learning here. And I think that's another thing that hospitality can teach a lot of people too is just it's not just pouring beers and running, running pizzas. It's you learn how to communicate to people. You learn how to deal with tough situations. You learn how to deal with, you know, stress and all the rest of it too. So, yeah, it's just creating a really good training environment and, and good culture and keeping people happy and engaged, I think. Before we move away from the hospitality side of, uh, of, of your career, is, you know, is, is there anything else you wanted to sort of, uh, no, sort of talk about in terms of the no, importance No, I not you've got any other questions on it. Gold day, but it's also, yeah. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. and it is one of those things. But I, I love yeah. that quote, uh, your venue or vending machine, because yeah. it, it does come down to so many of those uh, micro things and a great tip about just getting out and walking around and coming back to you to visit your own venue yeah, yeah. Um, I mean I always look at I, I often go to venues by myself because yeah. that way I'm not distracted by the people I'm with um, people not- call me I mean, I've had I've had you know managers underneath me who, who think I'm crazy because I always talk about the vibe and you know I'm not the most you know hippie of people but it's so true if you can't go and sit in a chair in your venue because the vibe's off. And that, what I mean by that is, is it a, is it an uncomfortable table to sit at? You know, every venue's often got that one table that kind of got thrown in last minute because they just needed an extra four seats or whatever. And, you know, you've got to be able to, if your venue doesn't feel comfortable for you to sit there, why would someone else want to pay money to sit there? You know what I mean? So you've got to create all these things, make sure, you know, chairs are all aligned and there's enough seat at the table and it, it sounds really simple but i see it a lot <laughs> yeah well hopefully uh, yeah it, we do have a lot of hospitality side people who listen to the podcast so hopefully uh, you know if i've got any questions we'll uh, throw them to you and, yeah uh, totally. hey, actually i don't know do you consult because i know you're sort of uh, running uh, more than anything at the moment so picking yeah, up a few bits and pieces not a, not i mean not really officially but um yeah, you know, send me a message. I'll figure out a fee. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. But the other thing I, I, I'm intrigued about um, watching your career is, you know, hospitality itself can sometimes, between the hours, the the, the food, the alcohol, um, and just the, the lifestyle around it, it can, it can be a fairly unhealthy um, long-term occupation. And then at the same time, there's a growing discussion around 
healthfulness. Um, and, you know, people talking about, you know, there's a generation people become much more health aware and things like that. Um, and you're 31, um, yep. I believe. And you know, it's been interesting to watch over the last four or five years, you sort of got into running and it's, it's become increasingly a part of your life and you've you've shaped your um, work and your diet and uh, your alcohol consumption uh, around that healthfulness you know what was the realization for you um, around that so what what drove that um, awareness for you um, I probably bought a really nice pair of jeans and they stopped fitting something, so. <laughs> so, so it, 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 was, it was nothing bigger than no it was definitely I mean it's you know for me Running, running has always been my. It's it's a it's a great sport because it's you can do it. It's cheap to get into. It's not you know you can just go for a run pretty much whenever you want, day or night, rain or shine. You can go whenever you want. Um, it doesn't cost a lot, and you can do it on your own. So it's always suited me because you know I can go whenever I want for a run um, when I've got time. So yeah, it's that's it's always been my go-to, and I mean there's you know it's a whole different podcast but it's you know mental healthness men- mental health and fitness you know coincide very very you know very closely and i just find i'm sharper and i i get my best ideas on runs and like quite honestly i've come up with my greatest work when i'm you know 15 20 k's into a long run because it's just you it's my form of meditation it's me just switching off from everything else and i can just kind of get strip everything away i'm not scrolling through instagram i'm not reading emails because I can't because I'm running and you just think and we don't really get a lot of time to do that anymore I think we we're always doing something there's always a screen near us so we're always you know we're engaged in something so for me running is this total zen that I just love and it, it yeah it it's always been there for me and yeah I think recently started investing more time into it which has been Really good to see the results. More time, yeah. I think you ran 670 kilometres in November. 465. 465, so, yeah. I knew it was a ridiculous (laughs) amount. It's more than I run in a year. Um, But it's not just your own um, approach to running. You've uh, sort of instrumental in creating a running community, the Good Beer Running Club in in Brisbane, which mirrors things that we're seeing elsewhere. You know, what what do you think is driving that? Have you noticed, have you had conversations with other people in the industry? A little bit. I think, yeah, so the Good Beer Running Club started um, with me and a mate, Jared Palu. So we worked together at Tipler's Tap. Um, We both ran, um, not very much, but we ran. And, you know, anyone that remembers original tipless tap the the menu wasn't exactly salads and, and acai bowls it was wings and sliders and you know everything else and that was often our lunch and our dinner so pretty quickly you realize that that's not doing many favors for you so we started running sort of once a week and um you know trying to just keep it fairly consistent keeping ourselves honest and going all right we'll go on a monday night or a tuesday night and we'll base ourselves at a, at a venue so we you know at least as a reward at the end of this horrible run that we're going to do and we would do a 5k or an 8k run and then start and finish at a venue and then just have a beer catch up etc um yeah recently it's been growing and you know we've done a whole bunch of things within the beer community here where it's um you know we've done the city of south charity run where we raise money for various charities and sort of mobilize the beer industry people in the beer industry and that's been incredible um and I think the underlying thing is people always want to be fitter. Like everyone sort of says that. They go, oh, I should really get back into it. And we sort of want to provide 
a weekly, you know, resource, a free resource that people can just kind of come to a familiar setting, which is a craft beer bar, and kind of have familiar faces around or, you know, just a level of sort of, you know, there's no, you know, there's no sort of pomp about it. We're not sort of like, we're pretty casual. Um, and yeah, we just create this kind of community where people can come and do a 5k or an 8k run and just, you know, they've got the safety net of talking about beer or talking about running, you know, it's two things that people are really passionate about. So yeah, that's what we've created and it's just grown and grown. And it used to be, uh, used to be very industry heavy. It used to be, you know, you'd, you'd often have the who's who of Brisbane beer coming off these Tuesday night runs and it's sort of slowly evolved into a more of um, just beer lovers and things who have just found it on Instagram and, and Facebook. So um, yeah, it's, it's going really strong and it's, it's, I love it. I think it's, I think, again, back to that, you know, disconnecting and switching off, you know, another really important thing is, is just community. And that's what, you know, beer's always been for me, but it's running is also that you can kind of bond over your next challenge or, you know, your fastest time or, you know, what shoes do I buy or whatever. And you've got this cool little thing where 10, 15 people come, they do a run together. And then afterwards they, they have a beer and they sit down and everyone's sweaty and the endorphins are flowing. And you just have these really great chats on a Tuesday night that's, it's just something really nice about it. There's no, you know, no one's on their phone. No one's sort of, you know, sitting there with their head down. They're all engaging because they've kind of been, you know, shaken up a little bit and they're in, you know, they're in a really good space to have a good conversation. So, yeah. Just to hear the way that you talk about that, because operating simultaneously, I'm having more and more chats with people in the beer industry um, who, you know, are struggling. Where, you know, they're, they're realising that the volume that they're drinking isn't good, you know, that it is, you know, social media um, is far from social um, a lot of the time. Um, and beer was always held out as being this this positive community. But it, it, it sounds like when it's just a beer community, um, there's probably a few negatives in it as well, um, if it's yeah, beer and nothing else. Totally. And I was pretty open about this sort of um, last year in a few social media posts, but yeah, I mean, beer is amazing until it's not, you know, it's, it's like anything too much of it isn't, isn't good for you. And no one can really argue that too much beer is good for you because it's <laughs> yeah. just not, you know, it's not the case. So, um, absolutely. And I think I fell a little bit too much into, I mean, the comparison I make to people that don't work in the hospitality industry is, you know, they work nine to five, uh, you know, Monday to Friday job and, they get really stressed and it's work sucks and, and, and they had a bad day. And I go, yeah, imagine doing that, but then, you know, maybe adding a few more hours onto that day. But then also at your place of employee, you have these really shiny taps that pour really nice beer that you know will take away that stress and it's free because you get a knockoff. And you're allowed to. And you're allowed to. And you can grab a four pack for the, you know, for home. And all of a sudden, if, if you start relying on that as, a, as the way you deal with your stress and your problems, it, it's not going to be super healthy. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah, if, you, if it's the thing that you... And that, for me, this is just purely me talking about it. I'm not trying to cast, you know, judgment on, on people and how much people do or don't drink, but it's, that was what I fell into. I was, you know, hospitality is stressful. You work long hours. You're tired at the end of the week. It's really easy to pour a large glass of something strong to go, okay, I feel better now. And all right, I'll have another one because, you know, someone else is or whatever. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of acknowledging that and then looking at it and just sort of being honest with yourself about, 
that amount of, of alcohol because that's at the end of the day it's it is alcohol it's you know there are it can be dangerous in in, in you know damaging in large uh, large amounts and it's something i think everyone just needs to kind of check in with so yeah and for me it's i sort of um I really cut down on my beer consumption um, and then, you know, implementing things like alcohol, alcohol-free days or, um, you know, only drinking, not drinking at home or whatever the case was. I just sort of started toying with that and then found a really good balance for me. And also having running there for me was this great, you know, if I've got to get up in the morning and do a half marathon on a Wednesday... That's a, it's a little bit easier if I haven't had two or three beers the night before. I promise you that. You, you wake up and you go, okay, cool. Now I've got to run for two hours. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So um, what next? Because you're, uh, you're doing a bit of work at The Woods, which is a new one, Brisbane's newest uh, suburban yep. craft beer venue. Yep. Um, so what, what's next? What's uh, the, the next plan for you? I don't know. I kind of, um, I'm sort of on this spiritual <laughs> enlightened <laughs> path of just kind of, uh, yes, yeah, it's sort of, had to challenge myself on a lot of things and that mentality of work really hard and just kind of push through it. I sort of challenged myself on that last year and realized that it actually, you know, wasn't great. And I kind of went, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to step back. I, I left a you know really great job to, to kind of do nothing in a way. And um, yeah, focused on running. I, I, I did a really fun running challenge in November where I ran 465 Ks and raised a lot of money for, um, for Movember and um, kind of focusing on that sort of stuff a little bit more because um, why not? I sort of, you know, I can at the moment, so I, um, that's what I'm doing. So, yeah, I'm just kind of uh, working at the woods, which is um, really fun and it's a really good team out there and, uh, yeah, just running a lot. I've got a couple of races coming up this year, which, are, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of training for at the moment, so that's keeping me busy. But you want to, and not just races, but we're talking like... Uh, very high uh, altitude sort of climbs um, yeah uh, trail trail running yeah I guess for yeah that's all relative but I um, yeah so I'm doing a like a uh, was it it's a 42k uh, marathon in Queenstown called shot over moonlight marathon which is two and a half thousand meters of elevation gain and descent and then I think that's in a that's in a couple of weeks and then I've got um, my first 100k uh, in July which is a Brisbane uh, called the Guzzler to the local trail race that uh, is happening. So, yeah, just kind of enjoying that process a little bit, having a bit of me time and just kind of keeping my ear to the ground and, yeah, just sort of enjoying uh, a bit of downtime because I sort of feel like it's been a, you know, it's it's that thing of when you work 60 hours a week, you're not really working, a, you know, most people work 40, 45 hours a week. So you're kind of working an extra day every week. <laughs> so you, I feel like I've worked, even though I've only been <laughs> in the industry for eight years, I feel like it's more like 10 to 12 years or something. But, but yeah. So just, for, for, for all that you're doing and uh, the mindfulness that you're sort of exploring, are you planning to stay in and around the, sort of the, the, the beer industry? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the, the realisation I had, so I, I wanted to walk, not walk away from it, but I wanted to just sort of switch off a little bit from it and, did that in a variety of ways and, and, and yeah, sort of just had a bit of downtime while still working behind a bar. I sort of, um, yeah, just kind of looked at my, you know, how I was viewing it and my relationship with, with beer and the beer industry. And the thing that I've kind of come back around to is I love the community and I love what beer represents, especially good beer, craft beer is 
it, it really is one of the sort of campfires of a community in the same way that a that a um, a bakery or a you know a deli or um, a post office or whatever. It, it's the place that you can go and you know it's 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 family friendly. It's you know a lot of these good beer venues are very you know welcoming, accommodating. It's the kind of place that. You can bring your parents, you can bring your kids. It's, you know, these really, and they have really good conversations and, and, um, you know, that's the thing I love about it. And I think, especially with the running club, it's, it's, that's growing and we've got some really exciting things happening there. We've got people who have done their first half marathons and there's people who are training for their first marathons and first ultra marathons and things like that. And it's, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of becoming this very free and unpaid <laughs> coach for, for people, but it's great. You know, I want to support that. And I think as well, cause if those people find it and maybe they're more into the running side of things, uh, you know, maybe they find it and go, Oh, they keep running at all these kind of craft beer venues. I didn't really know much about beer, but these guys are pretty knowledgeable and they kind of don't really push it on me. I kind of just, you know, happen into it in, 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 you know, with trail running, there's a saying of, you know, always grow the sport. And I feel like I'm doing that for beer on the other side. I'm sort of growing the sport of, yeah, it's actually really flavoursome and, you know, the sour beers and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of what's going on. So, Oh, mate, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a great uh, conversation. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, all, all the very best for, for the next stage for you. Cool. Thank you. And that was Jimmy Gold. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of Brews News. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer.